We're starting 22 minutes late. That's my bad. Okay. So, um, so we've talked about um, who St. Anthony was and then the importance of the Abba in the desert, using the life of Anthony. Um, so I was hoping to change gears a little bit um, to focus on spiritual uh, warfare through the lens of uh, St. Anthony. Now, what I'm hoping to do, and I'm really like, I don't know if this is going to go well at all, so please feel free to like uh, raise your voices during the talk. You don't have to wait till after if it's not going where you're hoping. Because um, what I was trying to do, or what's in my mind to do is to understand that warfare is not about an instantaneous inst- like thing. It's not, what, what is my warfare this very second? Warfare is a state, right? So in, in monastic literature and in desert literature, we're always talking about um, the constant warfare, of, of the concept of always being at war. So when we talk about the warfare, we're not talking about, okay, when this happens, what do I do this instant? There is some element of that, but it's more about your identity as a Christian soldier to begin with, right? So we're looking at warfare as a state of, of being to the Christian, right? Is that you have to be very clear on where you stand. Either you do or do not believe in God, and you either do or do not believe in the devil. If you don't believe in either one of those, you're not orthodox, which is fine, okay? But that's not, um, might not be the best environment for you. Because in believing this, right, is an understanding that that your enemy is always at, at war with you, whether you believe it or whether you're aware of it, I should say, or not, um, this, is, this is the case. And so if we understand that, then everything that I do matters. So like the imagery of, of, of the old school battles of like man-on-man battles, not of like, like periscoping and like video game wars, right? Is that you're actually in a real man-on-man fight and that skill is involved, and technique is involved, and strategy is involved, understanding your enemy is involved, right? And what kind of peace you have internally, what kind of preparation that you have, and how devoted you are affects how well you do in battle, right? That's why to us, like a person who understands himself or herself to be at war, shouldn't be scandalized um, when they fall, right? Because a war is made up of many battles, Right, so to have lost an individual battle is really not scandalous at all. Okay, it's something that's going to happen, right? But we're looking at the war is a victory of who wins the overall battles by the end. And somebody who dies in war is sung as a hero, right? We're naming highways after them now, right? And if, if somebody were to be injured in war, we also hail them as heroes, right? We bring them back, we, we try and make sure they have a comfortable, we praise them for what they did. Right? So we need to bring our mindset into that. The person who we despise and reject is the person who mutinies, right? the person who walks off and gives up and joins the enemy side, um, or the person that we kind of look down on a little bit is the one who just throws off their army and just lays down dead. Right? So these are, are the unacceptable things. So we want to understand what makes up the soldier to understand the warfares themselves, because if you come at Antony and just use one scenario, you're not going to have a complete picture um, of what it's like. So the first thing to have in mind is protecting yourself from knowledge, from wrong knowledge, um, and avoiding um, a bad environment, right? And so we are going to see, like, we're just going to go through, I want to start with Anthony as a kid, all the way to when he goes off to be more monastic, because you guys aren't more monastic, but at least we can look at this first um, section. So we start off with... with the. St. Athanasius, Athanasius says, Antony, you must know, was by descent an Egyptian. His parents were of good family and possess, possessed considerable wealth. And as they were Christians, he was also reared in the same faith. In infancy, he was brought up with his parents, knowing nothing else but them and his home. But when he was grown and arrived at boyhood and was advancing in years, he could not endure to learn letters, not caring to associate with other boys. But all his desire was, as is written of Jacob, to live a plain man at home. Right? So the reason to look at this, like even this is the opening of, of Life of Antony, is to say that all he knew were his parents. Right? So he had a protection from knowledge that could harm. So am I saying that every Christian needs to live in a bubble? Yes and no. 
right? To some extent, yes, right? We all want to say no because we need to be cultured and we need to understand and relate and all that fuzzy stuff. But at the same time, okay, is that no, there is there's knowledge that can harm me, right? And there's knowledge that puts root in me something that is, is going to destroy me. And that those who have been successful, this is why we're looking at these saints, those that have been successful are people who did protect themselves um, from useless knowledge. And what did that do? It put into him foundations that made him uninterested in useless knowledge after, right? Because he did eventually go to school. So he was in a protected environment, but at one point he does go. But when he goes, it doesn't just say, oh, he was bored. It says he could not endure. So like he was like, that's how he was appalled by it, right? Like whatever it was that was going on at this local Venezuela school was not um, at St. Anthony's style. So that protection allows us, did you have your hand up? Go for it. Um, I wasn't going to go there, but I would say that useless knowledge is is horrible. So it's right. Not Sorry? Not, not synonymous. Like, you're not saying useless knowledge is what is harmful. It's like under the umbrella of harmful knowledge. Yes. Yeah. Knowing things for the sake of knowing things, right? Or things that like don't build up a person in any way, right? Those are the things that end up being sources of warfare later on. But then it says that he was obedient to his father and mother and attentive to what was read, keeping in his heart what was profitable and what he heard, right? Like, see, he was able to discern even from a young age, like, what was it that's good for me? What is it that builds me up? And though as a child brought up in moderate affluence, he did not trouble his parents for various, for varied or luxurious, luxurious life, nor was this a source of pleasure to him, but he was content simply with what he found, right? Is that this is not a person who's looking for indulgences because we're looking at like patterns of behavior that protect somebody from warfare a person who is always looking to be satisfied okay is a person who's going to struggle a lot because they're looking for pleasure right that's going to be their thing and the point the problem is not everything good for us is often pleasurable right or at least we don't perceive it to begin with as as pleasurable going on a diet is good for us but it's not pleasurable for most people, it would be much nicer to eat Carl's Jr. all the time, right? But there's, there's this distinguishing of what is good for me versus what feels good. And so keeping yourself from the things, the, the knowledge or the environment or the thing that exposes you to something more than what you have can become a source of warfare because you start to desire that thing. It doesn't become natural to you to be content. You want more. And so we see here that even with what he was like with his parents, that... He wasn't hanging around other people who did other things, right? Like he could have been, he's a kid. Like nobody would have been upset by this. Um, Because what we put into ourselves, okay, from our childhood and from our upbringing, this is the things that we're going to retain. So like he, from his young age, didn't want things. And so he didn't have a warfare of wanting things. And you'll see that as a stability throughout his life, right? Is that he was never the kind of person who suddenly wanted to be indulged, right? He was always moderate in his food. He's moderate in his, even though he had money, right? He wasn't using it in a way um, that built that up. So what I want you to understand from this is that you only have warfare when you want something, right? Like this is, this seems like stating the obvious, okay? But it's a simple truth that matters. If I don't have a desire for something, it doesn't become a warfare to me. I'm not interested, right? There are people who might, like, I didn't struggle straight up with the whole prom situation in high school. Like, I, I didn't have that issue. So, like, when high schoolers were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm not allowed to go. I'm like, why'd you want to go? Right? Like, because it wasn't a thing to me, right? It's only a thing to somebody who wants that thing that they're going to have it. And the devil will know what is it that you want, right? He's going to find that thing um, to fight. So don't say that he was lucky, okay? He was the poor kid, was like, like not an affluence, and that's why he was okay with being a poor monk. No, he was rich. This is what makes it even more meaningful, is that he had the things available to him readily, but he didn't care for them. So our, we've got to look for ourselves, what is it that I care? That's why Christ said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? Because if I have a desire, if I have a lust, lust isn't always a sexual thing, right? If I have a lust for something, that's going to be my downfall because it's what's going to rule over me. But even from his childhood, he was able to fight that. 
And going according to custom to the Lord's house, he communed with himself and reflected as he walked how the apostles left all, followed the Savior, and how they in the book of Acts sold their possessions and brought them and laid them at the feet of the apostles um, for distribution to the needy, and what and how great a hope is laid up for them um, in heaven. So the reason why I'm, I'm literally just going through the text from, from the beginning to where he leaves off. Um, what does this tell you about Antony? What, like this passage? He's very humble. He's humble? Okay, yeah. what else? Sorry? He's simple. He's simple? Where is his mind at? Right, he's, he's meditating on scripture, right? This is a meditative person because what would the, the, the Desert Fathers tell us, fill the mind with good so that the bad doesn't find room, right? Like look at the kind of things he's thinking about. He's not thinking about like what he's going to ask his parents for. He's not thinking about normal kid things. He's meditating on the words of life. So he knows his Bible. He's a churchgoer, um, which the reason I'm pointing out is to say that his actions are matching his intentions, okay? Because one of the things that we struggle with in warfare is like everybody says like, oh, I want to be a good person. I want to be, insert, good thing here. But your decisions have absolutely nothing to do with that, right? So if you say, I want to be a person that looks like this, then you need to take the steps that match that, right? You can't say like, oh man, I want to be a doctor, right? And then you go into poli-sci, like, it's, it's not a likely path. It's possible, right? It's just not likely. It's not the natural path that's going to take you there. So, like, if I want to be a holy person, I'm sorry, I'm not going to find holiness by, like, all my time being in the club and reading, like, whatever that movie, Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Like, if that's the kind of, I'm sorry to be extreme, but I mean, like, if this is what I'm filling the mind with, right? Then how, why am I shocked when I'm not in that milieu? Why am I shocked when I'm not able to attain the thing that I'm looking for? So it doesn't have to be as extreme as that, right? But if, like, if all of the things that I'm doing are places and things and ideas and words that don't match it, it's not going to be there. Antony was successful because his mind was in the right place. He was filled with the good, so he looked for the good, right? But if instead he was filled with the negative, I don't think he would be um, St. Antony the Great. And this is his lifestyle, right? It's not a single event, right? It's not like, oh, and on Thursday he went to church, right? No, this is who he is, right? It's part of the identity because we don't realize sometimes that the grace that we receive is a continuous grace, right? It's not these, these moments, these instantaneous moments, right? We see that case um, later on when he has the physical fight, right? Where sometimes there'll be a supernatural gift of grace, but there's a growing in grace by living the life, right? If I think, oh, I'm waiting for God to come to me because I was about to be angry right now, right? God, give me peace. And then, like, the light shines from heaven, like, touched by an angel, and suddenly he's peaceful. That's not how it works, right? It works by living it, right, and acquiring it, having experience, having these falls and rises. Um, and it's this kind of lifestyle that made him receptive to the voice of God and that made him excited about God. Right, because it says, and again, his, he was went to the church hearing the Lord saying the gospel, "Be not anxious for the morrow." He has excitement, right? Like he's not just like, "Oh, that's a nice path." Like he's he's thrilled, and it says he could stay no longer, but went out and gave those things to the poor right away, right? Like he just like he he bounced, like he was like, "This is exactly what I was waiting for." Because if I'm not in a church environment to begin with, obviously church is going to be boring. Right? Like if I'm always away from it, I always want to be somewhere else and I always have something else in mind. Church is boring. I'm not going to interact with, with, with Christ or the sacraments or his words in the same kind of, of joy. Um, and so one of the problems that we have is that when we're not into it, it's because we have a mixed life. Right? Like that's why I'm not into it. If I have a battle of of good and, and evil in me, which we all have to some extent. But if I'm double-minded, right, where like the Egyptian, the Arabic uh, expression, right, like an hour for your heart and an hour um, for your Lord, right, then I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna flourish in either environment, right? Because I'm gonna have guilt when I'm in the, the one for my heart, right? And I'm gonna have guilt when I'm in the hour for my Lord. Both of them, I'm gonna feel a pull. Um, going in, in each direction. But Antony is focused, right? And this is what we need is that, that focus. Um, taking heed to himself 
and training himself with patience, right? This is where our generation monumentally sucks because we are all about instant gratification, right? We want, like, I'm going to Google it. I'm going to GPS it, right? I'm going to get it right now, right? It's not the old school. I'm going to go to the library. I'm going to read 10 books. And I'm going to write it. Like, no, we want it right now. And so we struggle in our spiritual lives because we want instantaneous. We're trying to make the spiritual life match cultural reality as opposed to being a little bit more um, objective. So we want immediate results. We want victory and we want knowledge like right now. Um, not knowing that it's experience that teaches us, right? It's, it's the, the, time, the test of time. Um, our own experience, obviously, and experiences of, of others. Um, that's why he doesn't sit there and try and learn from himself. But instead, all who wish to give heed to themselves practice the discipline in solitude near their own village. Right? So he went to the established roots to say, who are the people who know? Right? I need to learn, so let me go to people who know. That's how we talked about discipleship um, early. Um, and he would take, it says, St. Anthony has a nice expression, he took from them, each one of them, a good as though it was a supply for his journey. Right? Like it was almost like he was planning to go on a trip. I need food, I need water, I need a tent, I need these. He taught each person as giving him something that he could use um, on the journey. And he went to people of repute, right? He didn't go to his neighbor who's struggling with the same thing, right? Because that's something we do wrong. Because if you get the wrong kind of advice for your warfare and your growth, then you're going to be taken back, right? You're not going to move forward. You're going to get injured. Um, he discipled himself, right? He did not assume himself to know or understand, even though he had such a rich religious life. Um, and he took the initiative himself. And this is something that I think is really important for us because when you choose to do something, that's where you're showing your love for it, right? When you're going by compulsion, you're going by compulsion. Like there's no, there's no depth in that. Sure, going by compulsion might bring some good over time, right? But there's nothing like the desire of the heart, right? Is that when I use my free will, this is why God gave us free will, is that anybody can do whatever they want. But if I choose to do something, now that action has a meaning, because that action is no longer obligatory. Now the action means something because I could have done something else, but I elected to do this thing, right? I could be at home right now, but I elected to go spend time with these people, right? This is where we show our concern and care, right? Put your money where your mouth is, essentially. Um, and the reason I bring that up is that there's a deciding moment in our lives where we have to decide what path we're going to take, right? You can screw around for as long as you want, but there becomes a, a moment where there needs to be some kind of definition to who you are, right? And that decision is what defines you. Um, it might not be going to the desert, okay? But there needs to be a conscious, a conscious decision about whether or not you intend to be a Christian, right? Because a Christian is not, is not a cultural thing, right? Richard Dawkins is selling it as that, where he says, I'm culturally Christian. There's no such thing. Okay, is that there's an identity as a Christian, and that's what we're seeking for. Do I want to be in the image and likeness of God? Do I want to have a relationship with Him? That's up to me. Um, and then after making the decision, um, we need to make the smaller decisions that match that goal. Right? If I've decided to be a Christian, then I, need, I have to realize that there are things that I might not be able to do. Right? And that that is worth it because of my identity, not as an inhibition. Right? A person who desires, like we said last year, to be an athlete, right, can't eat junk food 24-7. But if, if his focus is on what can I not have, he's missed the point. Right? It means that he's actually not excited about being the athlete. Right? So we have to put everything into perspective. So we have to make that deciding moment, but then we see something interesting in the language because it says, so dwelling there at the edge of the city at first, he confirmed his purpose, not to return to the abode of his fathers nor to the remembrance of his kinsfolk, but to keep all his design and energy for perfecting his discipline. He worked, however, with his hands, having heard he was idle, let him not eat. So this decision requires work, right? It's not like this passive thing. There's a lot of work involved with it. Um, we're not Protestants, and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way, okay? In the sense that to a Protestant, we have this extreme of sola gratia, right? So faith alone. And then on the Catholic extreme, not so much anymore, they've moved a little bit east, was works alone. Whereas in, in the Orthodox thinking is, this, is a synergy. God's work 
God's grace meets with my work, right? God will not work with me if I do not work with Him. That's why even in all of the miracles that we read, there's always an action required of the person involved. Raise your arm, move your bed, give me food, sit in fifties, right? There's always some work of the people that's involved to show your desire and your intent and your faith that I want you to work in my life, right? And then he meets it with his, with his divinity. He meets it with his grace, right? And makes that small meaningless thing become a huge thing, right? And this is what what is looked for. So when he went to, to make this decision, it required a whole lot of work. Um, and I like that he confirmed his purpose, right? This indicates that there might have been doubt, right? There might have been something in the back of his mind that made him wonder, is this, is this where I ought to be? Did I make the right choice? Am I crazy that I walked away from everything? And so in it, he finds um, peace. And the work that we do is the commandments, which is self-denial. That is what God's commandment is, is love God above all and your neighbor as yourself, right? This is, this is what love is, is to deny myself for the sake of somebody else. Um, and he took from the money that he had um, and spent um, partially on his bread, partially practically, so that he would have, um, be able to eat, and the rest to the needy. Um, and the rest of the time he was constant... Um, in prayer. Thus, conducting himself, Antony was beloved by all. He subjected himself in sincerity to the good men whom he visited, and learned thoroughly where each surpassed him in zeal and discipline. He observed the graciousness of one, the unceasing prayer of another. He took knowledge of another's freedom from anger and another's loving kindness. The stuff that we talked about in discipleship, right, is that only by doing this could he enter into this life. And so suddenly he's being, he's seeing growth, right? So you have to make a decision if you want to be able to grow. Because then people make the decision based on their lack of growth, not understanding that they didn't do anything yet, right? The work is what's required to see the progress. But you see so many people who are like, I've been in church all my life and nothing happened, right? So this is, this is retarded. I don't know why I'm still here. And it's okay, but you actually didn't do anything. You think like, that, like you just, your physical presence, is going to inject into you like something magical. Like that's not how it works because he wants this co-working. Right? And that when I do that and I decide, decide that this is my goal, this is my identity, then I naturally want to know how do I acquire that identity. When the kids see Kobe, they want to be Kobe. Right? So like if I can see it, then I can start to acquire it and say, okay, well, there's drills. Right? There are things that, that happen at the grassroots level that can happen before you can even dream of being on a team. Right? You don't even know how to dribble. Right? So there's, there's, there's a work that's involved. So, this is what Antony did. He didn't, even though he actually was skilled already, right? He didn't perceive himself to be skilled. He didn't look at himself in that way. And so he went to learn from them. And this is, like we said, the beginning of discipleship. Um, but then what is beautiful about this is that a person who's growing in the right way, it says that when they saw that he was a man of this sort, so, so all they of that village and the good men in whose intimacy he was, when they saw that he was a man of this sort, used to call him God beloved, like we said earlier. And some welcomed him as a son and others as a brother. A person who is who's working in the right way won't be a contentious person. Right? It won't be somebody who like people around them see them as um, are bothered by them. And again, this is all important in the context of warfare in the sense that we're trying to say, who, what does this person look like? Right? Because if there's somebody who's always bringing a lack of peace and strife, then their warfare is more likely with themselves than it was, is with the devil. Okay? Because it means that they, they value themselves. Because it means that they, a person who loves others is denying themselves for others. And so the people around them won't be able to actually really fault them for something. Right? They can be jealous if they want, okay? but they won't be able to fault them because the person is always giving for them. And here's where the warfare begins, okay? Is that when there's a clear distinct dedication to the goal and serious work being done, the devil does not sit idly, right? The devil's not like, oh, woohoo, like Anthony is striving, right? Anybody who's doing this, that's why almost anybody here who's ever taken Lent seriously probably finds that their warfare increases monumentally, right? There used to be, like, I, at my church, we'd always be like, we'd tell each other, like, Madish is Lent, it's Lent, right? Because there'd be some fight. Right? There'd be some confrontation. There'd be some problem with our parents or the kids that we serve. Or there'd be some musibah. Right? Like something huge would happen. And we'd all be like, it's Lent. It's Lent. 
Because the minute that there's this kind of sense of dedication to the spiritual battle, the devil doesn't sit around passively. And so he begins to do his work. So the first thing it says is, first of all, he tried to lead him away from the discipline, whispering to him the remembrance of his wealth, care for his sister, claims of kindred, love of money, love of glory, the various pleasures of the table, and the other relaxations of life. This is why, at the beginning of saying, you need to know what has a grip over you, because this is what he's going to use against you right whatever it is so for Anthony it was not like he was like okay well he was rich maybe I can do the richness thing okay okay no no no. he loves his sister he cared for his sister so I'm going to bring up these claims of, of familial ties right? he's, like, he's like how's your sister doing shouldn't you care about her I mean dude this is family right you can have your discipline but you need to worry about her where is she where is she at right is is and this again without discernment might seem like a good thing I was like, oh yeah, this was a big mistake. I better go find my sister, right? Like that would have been the natural thing. So where are your attachments? Because that's where he's going to attack you the most. And honestly, for most people, this is where we get stuck. Okay, most people actually stop right here. They're not willing to go the next step because they're just confronted with everything that they remembered, everything that they used to have. Somebody's battling with a particular sin, right? And then they like somebody has like a terrible breakup like no no no, i want jesus i want blah 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 blah, and they get all like all meek and religious and whatever so then what does the devil do right away have his text sent right and it's just like i'm thinking about you okay yeah yeah, yeah, i'm with you right immediate right where like i could have god i could have both right some of them will, will try and do that but we try and find this marriage because we're not serious about the goal, right? We didn't analyze of, is this thing, forget the breakup, but is this thing, whatever it is that has a a hold on me, is this something right for me? Is this something good for me? Is it something that's in line with my goal? And then if it isn't, then I ought to reject it completely, right? And this is why the Desert Fathers interpret the Old Testament very differently than we do, where everything is symbolic of sin. That God's fanaticism, his anger and his wrath is towards sin, anything that holds me from the path of holiness. So if you get stuck here, don't be shocked that you don't progress, right? And don't be shocked that you get very cold spiritually. Um, And then when you come and say, oh, like, Jesus never did this for me, God never did this for me, I never got blah, 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 you need to ask yourself, what did you do? Did you do anything? Because if you didn't, no problem, I'm not mad at you, but don't be mad at him either, right? Just just be fair, like, in your assessment. But if you you are real in it, then you find, as we'll see, that, that the grace comes, right? And this is why... St. Anthony later on says, um, there's a monk who comes who wants to keep some of his money with him, right? He wants to have this mixed life. He wants to be able to have the best of both worlds. Like, what's the problem? I'll have enough just for my needs. And this was probably one of the harshest things St. Anthony ever did, is he told him, okay, go buy meat, put it on your body, and go stand out in the sun. So the guy bought a whole bunch of steaks, put it on himself, and then the crows came and devoured it. So obviously he had pecs, he had wounds, he had stuff from from the birds doing it. And Anthony wasn't trying to, to punish the guy, but he was physically demonstrating him what the problem was. And he's like, this is what the devil will do to you. This is what happens when you bring something with you on the warfare. If you think you can mix good and evil, you can't, right? Is that if you come in here with a double-minded heart, it's not going to work. And this is true of, your, of all spiritual warfare. To not deny what's wrong for you. It's one thing to fall, okay? It's one thing to fall, and it's another thing to bring with you something dangerous, Right? Like this is, it's, it's ludicrous. This is the source of your warfare. Originally, at the beginning of your battle, the beginning of your spiritual life, your warfare is going to be mostly with your attachments. And that's not just for monks. Again, it's for all of us. Um, is it, forget the, the, all the, the sexual stuff, is it your career that owns you? Is it vanity that owns you? What is it that owns you? Because this will be the source of your warfare. The second step was to bring to him at last the difficulty of virtue and the labor of it. So it's like, okay, if you're not willing to go back by realizing the stuff that you left, then let me tell you, do you realize how stupidly long this is going to take? Right? Like, that's where it's like, are you serious? Like, do you know, like, you're not talking about like a week or two, bro. Like, if you were going to do like, yeah, okay, that's a month. Okay, but like, you're talking about the rest of your life. Right? This is a real warfare. Like, this is not trivial. This is mentally a very, like, can cause a lot of anguish to a person who's not um, focused. So, 
we see this a lot in this generation, in my own generation, right? Can't I do this later, right? God is so forgiving, right? I'll come to him when I'm older. I'm going to pull like a thief on the right scene at my death, right? Like that kind of, of thing. But the problem with this, okay, is that this is the opposite of denying yourself, right? You are self-indulging yourself. Again, no effort, no work, instant gratification. This is not love. You have no love of God, right? If you, if you do this and you, and you ask that, then, then you cannot really say you love God because you don't. You love yourself, right? You just want to be comfortable. You want to be where you are. And anybody who lives that way is miserable. There's a reason why, like, 98% of the world, like, obviously exaggerating, is on antidepressants right now. Like, is it shock you that the more that we become a self-indulgent society, the less happy we've become? Because everybody's in, in interest and worry is about themselves. And because they're, they're only loving themselves, they are not loving anybody. And so they're neither giving nor receiving love, except from themselves. And the consequence is everybody's miserable, right? Nobody's, nobody's excited about this. Everybody is, is self-seeking, right? You don't have the same joy that you might have had to go meet your group of friends because you know that in the day of trouble, it's not really clear whether many people will be with you or not. Right? Is that there are people, and even then, whether they're looking for your best interests or not. And so the devil is going to make everything sound hard. Right? Is that it's just so hard. It just feels so hard. Right? Like that's what we always say. Even like in confession, is that like the, the most common response of like, yeah, I know it's wrong, but it's just so hard. Right? And that's true. I don't disagree. I'm not mocking it. Right? It is. But this is, you got to understand that this is exactly what the devil wants to sell you, is to just to zoom in and lock in on this point. Right? Whereas to God, it's not impossible. Right? There's, there is an element of grace that we're going we, we, to see in his life. Because it's not like God is like, ha, 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 sucka, right? you fell, right? like, it's hard. <laughs> no, right? that there's, there's a real relationship going on here. And there's going to be this, this, this complete um, marriage of grace and works that go together, where it's like, show me you love me, and I'll show you I love you back. Right? I love you either way, but like, give me something here. Right? It's almost like the teenager phase, where like, as kids, when you're dependent, as kids, we don't love our parents um, because they're awesome. We love our, ki- our parents because it's all we know, and because they're giving us stuff. Right? And so because of that, we have this identity crisis when we're adolescents, where we hate them, and we want stuff. Right? Where it's like, I don't love you, I don't care about you, yeah, I love you, whatever, if that makes you shut up. But I want money. Okay, I want to go out, I want to have the car, I want to have this. I can't believe you're depriving me of this. Who do you are? What kind of mother are you? I thought you loved me. Right? Where it's just like when you think about it, there's zero being given. Right? It's, it's a completely one-way relationship. And does the parent love them? He does. And she does. Right? The parents do love them. But it's just like, I just kind of want you to just pretend you like me just for a day. Can you schedule me in like an hour on Friday just to... Oh no, Fridays are your night? Okay, Wednesday. Right? Like, just give me something. Like, show me that there's a relationship here. This is, this is what, what we're like. Right? And then you tell, tell, tell a teenager, like, you know, your parents just want to spend time with you. I'm like, I know, it's just so hard. Right? It's so boring. Right? Like, and so it's because you want something. Right? These are all linked to each other because it's something else is more appealing to you, something else has captivated your heart. Right? And so these are the steps. This is what, exactly why St. Athanasius articulates how Antony was approached by the devil. And then finally, he suggests also the infirmity of the body and the length of time, right? So it's not enough to tell him that it's hard, right? But to say that doing good might actually cost you, right? And make you uncomfortable. It's like, you might get ill, right? You're living out here. You don't have this and this and this and this. And I say, not only is it not good for you, it might actually harm you, right? And this is how the devil works. In almost any warfare in your life, you will find that it's one of these three steps, right? Just that most people don't get beyond step one. But there will be something of being like, oh, but by being here, you're missing out on blah, blah, blah. And I mean, missing out is like a new phenomenon now, right? Apparently, like, people don't like to even go to events because they're afraid of missing out on another, right? So they're always last minute. Now, like, psychologically, like, we've reached that point where, like, you're like, yo, do you want to do this on Friday? I don't know. I'll let you know on Friday, right? Because they're so worried that other friends will be doing something else, right, that might be more fun, Right? And how many people are going to this, and how many people are going to this? There's more at this, I'll have more fun here. Right? So we need to look at the intrinsic value of something, not the, not the frills. So like I said, most Christians stop here, they are in this loop and they'll get out of it. 
Um, they decide that it isn't wor worth it or that it's too tiring or that their attachments are good for them. That's another common thing. I mean, like, no, 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 right? Like, I, I should have this. Like, this is, this is something that's good for me. They would rather live a lie than deal with the reality or admit weakness. Um, like, the rich man, right? Like, the, the same gospel that inspired St. Anthony to, to leave is actually a very, like, sad story. Because in another gospel, we see that the rich man wouldn't give it up, right? And it says he left sad, and it says that Jesus loved him, right? Is that actually he was getting an apostolic calling. This was a huge deal, right? Not everybody was asked by Christ to follow me. There's only 12, right? But like, here's someone where Christ was like, no, I'm inviting you specifically to follow me. This was like the biggest big ups you could get. But his attachment, right, to his money is the one thing that prevented him from possibly being an apostle, right? So this is the kind of, of, of thing that we need to recognize in it. He knew, Christ knew what the man's attachment was, but you cannot love God and mammon. It's very simple. That's what our Lord said. You have to make a real decision about whether you love God or not, or you don't stand a chance in the warfare when it gets real. There's no way. If you don't, if you haven't decided whether even that you want to, I'm not saying that you have to be at perfect love to battle, but have you decided then that's where it goes. Um, like, imagine if you are engaged to someone, and you tell them that I'm going to get engaged to you, but I'm still going to date this other girl because I like her. <laughs> right? It's like, it sounds nonsensical, but we actually, we do it all the time. Right? So, like, we, we laugh at it, but it's just like, this is what Christ is saying to us. He's like, do you or do you not love me? Because if you do, there's a, there's a thing here. Right? You can't try and, and be married to me and everybody else. I'm sorry. Right? Uh, he is able to be married to everybody because he's infinite, but we are not. Um, this is why our Lord uses the analogies of adultery when he talks about the spiritual life all the time, especially in the Old Testament, was because he knows that this is what will ring home the most. This is what we can relate to um, on a real, a real level. Um, until you have this eureka moment of, am I serious? Am I serious and am I willing to labor and tire for something? That's why with patience possess your souls. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Take up your cross and follow me. Right? He's aware of, of the expense. Um, and so that's why, like we said at the beginning, you have to see the context of the spiritual warfare in the context of the whole war, not the individual battle. So you might lose that individual battle, that's okay, but we're looking at the whole war. Um, but we must focus on now, not on tomorrow, or we will despair. So what's the solution? Firmness, faith, prayer, right? It says then, and that he rather was conquered the devil was conquered by the other, meaning Antony's, firmness, overthrown by his great faith, and, and, failing through his, and, sorry, and falling through his constant prayers. Right? Is that he, he knew what the point of these vehicles were, these tools were, and he clung to them. Um, after this is when the war gets serious. Okay? Like, so all that was like child's play. Um, the devil sees that you want a real battle, not a fake chess game where he humors you while he sets you up. Um, he attacks you. He attacks what he knows about you in your age, right? So he's like, okay, up to now, I was like playing it light with you because I'm just like, okay, here are the typical things where people fall, and you place this here, this here, this here. You set yourself up, and you can die, right? When he sees that, oh, I have a worthy opponent, right? This is when he takes it up to another level. So when the enemy saw himself to be too weak for Antony's determination and that he rather is conquered by the other's firmness, as we said, then at length putting his trust in the weapons which are in the navel of his belly and boasting in them, um, he attacked the young man, disturbing him by night and harassing him by day, so that even the onlookers saw the struggle which was going on between them. The one would suggest foul thoughts and the other counter them with prayers. The one fire him with lust, the other as one who seemed to blush, fortify his body with faith, prayers, and fasting. And the devil, unhappy, um, one night even took upon him the shape of a woman and imitated all her acts simply to beguile Antony. But he, his mind filled with Christ and the nobility inspired by him and considering the spirituality of the soul, quenched the cold of the other's deceit. Again, the enemy suggested the ease of pleasure. But he, like a man filled with rage and grief, turned his thoughts to the threatened fire and the gnawing worm, and setting them, these in array against his adversary, passed through the temptation unscathed. All this was a source of shame to his foe, 
For he, deeming himself like God, was now mocked by a young man. And he who boasted himself against flesh and blood was being put to flight by a man in the flesh. For the Lord was working with Antony, the Lord who for our sake took flesh, and gave the body victory over the devil, so that all who truly fight can say, Not I, but the grace of God um, who is with me. So what we need to understand here is that virtue is the opposite of sin. Okay, so the devil will come in and try and indulge his sin, and what what Antony does is respond with the opposite of it, which is the virtue of it. Um, so the sin is the self gratification in whatever form it is, right? The sin is is what can I um, give to pleasure myself, and so the virtue is the loving form of it. Virtue is 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 to make it de- self denial, to make it about somebody else. Okay, so think about it. This is, if you want to understand your spiritual warfare in, in, in general, this is what almost all of your passions are. All of your passions are simply a misdirected good thing, right? Think of somebody who's got a hose and who is watering the concrete. Okay, this is not going to be fruitful. Like, it's stupid. All you need is somebody to just move your hand, point it towards the grass, and now something profitable can happen. Now there can be, now there can be growth. Lust is misdirected love. Okay, selfishness is, is love directed at the self instead of others, right? Anger is misdirected zeal, right? Everything is a misdirection of a something that is intrinsically good, right? And that's what the devil does is he lies. He'll take you, give you something real, give it a new meaning, right? That it is good to have love, but what are you loving, right? These are, these are the things that he does. So the devil brings indulgence and we need to fight it by scarcity, okay? Is that rather than having excess is to be scarce, um, and if you can understand this, then you can understand what asceticism is, okay? Because asceticism is an act of love, and only that. And asceticism is an act of love only. The devil wants to bring comfort to make you contempt, have contempt towards effort. The solution is to double your effort. Um, because... I don't know if I'm going to talk about asceticism later, but if not, then we're going to right now. Asceticism is a denial for the sake of something good. Okay, so if you think about um, Saint Bishoy, for example, who's an I won't call him name. Um, I was going to say he's an extremist, but he actually overall was pretty. He was pretty moderate. Um, why did he tie his hair to the ceiling? Why did he tie his hair to the ceiling? Why did he not want to fall asleep? Sorry? Okay, why does he want to constantly pray? Why does he want to fight the devil? Because he loves God? Okay, that's true. Um, <laughs> you got me there. But the point is that it was not because it's holy to lose sleep. It's not because it's holy to tie my hair. It's not holy to do extreme acts. And this is where there seems to be a lot of confusion. This is why so many people in the West hate um, Eastern asceticism. They're like, they're, they're messed up. Like, why would anybody do that? Right? Is that there has to be an objective behind it. Right? Think of, of two people who are madly in love that just first started talking. They're going to be texting nonstop. Right? They're going to be texting to the wee hours of the morning knowing that they're going to be exhausted the next day at work, that they're going to be so tired when they go to do their tasks. But they're willing to do that because they're just so happy at the thought of being in this relationship. They're just so happy no matter what it costs them that they want to talk. So this is what asceticism is. It's actually an act of love. It's St. Bishoy saying, I love you so much I don't even want to sleep. I want to spend every waking moment with you no matter what it costs. It's actually a very romantic thing. It is not a, a, a thought of, Oh my gosh, God wants me to like whip myself. No, he doesn't. He actually never asked us of that. That's why an act of asceticism needs to be voluntary and has to have the right goal. There's nothing holy about just bending your knees up and down. And Matanya is not intrinsically holy. So if I don't know why I'm doing Matanya, then it's, a, then it's not a helpful thing. So I have to be careful with it. Right? If I think that my prayer is in the number of Psalms as opposed to because I'm talking to him, then I have a problem. Right? Once my objective strays from this relationship... Um, with God <laughs> enough there's um, okay. um, and so 
we have to be aware of the concept, uh, the context of asceticism. Otherwise, these things don't matter. And I, and I jumped the gun because asceticism was coming later. So the devil saw how much he did, okay, and wanted to exhaust him, and he brought him everything right, everything right to take him away from his cause, right? So if you have left the wrong, it's not like the devil's going to be like, right? He's going to be like, oh, no, 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 right? Let me bring it to you, right? So he, he, he physically separated himself from all of the sources of his issues, right? Which is the left-hand wars that we'll talk about. So the devil's like, okay, I'll bring it to you. Let me bring you the woman. Let me bring you the dreams. Let you bring you the money. Let me bring you everything that you walked away from. Okay, you think you're so strong and you left it? I'll bring it to you. How are you going to deal with this now? And now that you're tired and now that you're worn out and now that you haven't been sleeping and now that all these things are happening, how are you going to handle this? Right? And this is what the devil will do. He'll always remind you of your past. He'll always bring it right back to your door. This is one of the beauties of confession. I'm not pulling a plug for confession. Is that you're, you're removing fodder from him. Right? Is that he can't bring you back something that you did. Right? Because sometimes it'll be like to us as normal people. Okay? Is that sometimes he'll be, haunt you with your history. Right? Like so for this, it was, it was physical things. But to another person it's like, don't you remember what you were like? Don't you remember the life you were living? How fun that was? Do you remember that girl that you dumped and she's suffering today? Do you remember how much you owned your parents and you did this and that? Like, there's going to be something that he's going to bring back in your history and he'll bring it back to you. So that even if you walked away, you finally made that decision, you'll get the letter, you'll get the text, you'll get the, the email. You'll get something that reawakens whatever it was that you had walked away from because he wants to drag you right back into the rink. Right? He's like, no, 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 I'm not done with you yet. I'm going to own you and I'm going to make sure you never do this again. So... The devil brought it right back to his doorstep um, because the memory of sin wasn't eradicated um, yet. Um, yeah, I had stories, but I'm going to skip them because we started late. My badness. Um, so the solution to all these things is humility. Okay, this is why St. Anthony always said humility, 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 humility. It was like it was always bringing it up because the devil's problem was pride. Right? The devil's problem was pride, it was self-love. The antidote is the opposite, which is humility. And so what does he do? Abba throws himself at God. He denies himself and he puts his strength in our God. And because of this, it says he's unscathed. Right? It's because of this that he, he gets through this completely unscathed. This is remarkable. Right? Because the battle sounds horrific. Right? If we're going to look at this objectively, right? it's like, wow, how is he handling this? You've got all these internal warfare. You've got thought warfare. You've got physical warfare. You've got people reminding you of stuff. You've got discomfort. You've got less food. Everything about it is miserable. And yet it says that he got through it unscathed. Anybody would say, well, why would I want to do that? Right? But imagine being in the Twin Towers, okay, burning down... And you're just standing there completely unscathed, right? Imagine that there's fire all around you and this place is, is coming down and you fall down, you just somehow you fall down gracefully, right? Where it's just like, I don't know how it's happening, but I'm fine, right? There are people all around me who are dying and burning up and it's miserable and it's horrible and it's horrific and it's a tragedy. And yet somehow I'm unscathed. I'm not burnt. I'm not falling. Can you imagine being underwater for hours and being able to breathe? Right? This is where we meet this, this synergy. Right? This is where God gives a grace that is remarkable, that doesn't make sense in the situation. Right? Because Anthony's eyes were on his goal. Anthony's eyes were on his dad. Right? Whereas it's like, no, I'm here for you. I came here because of you. So you help me. Right? I don't have power over the devils. I don't have power even over myself. So I am trusting in you. This was a true humility. And because of this, he's unscathed in the middle of the fire. Who wouldn't be willing to do all of those things all over again if they didn't have that experience, right? If you have that experience, you're going to obviously be totally fine with the warfare. It's like, no, 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 I've been through this. It's amazing, right? This is, this is why the martyrs, right? We read all those stories of they did this torture and then they were healed. They did this torture. That made them able to keep going the next day, right? Because it's just like, yeah, every time I thought I was going to die, like something happened to help me, right? And so they, they surrendered themselves to God's purpose. So... We find our work met with the synergy of his work in a miraculous way. Because we need to remember that God wants us to be victorious, right? Like, it's not like he wants us to fall. He wants us to see victory. So this takes Anthony to the next level of warfare, which was um, apparition and deceit, 
right? The devil already appeared as a woman. Now he comes in another form and simply lies. He comes to the devil. He comes to Antony as, as this dark-skinned person. He tells Antony, you know what? I've been defeated. Okay, like you're so strong, right? You, you owned me. Um, and he wants Antony to be proud, right? To be like, yeah, I did that, right? Like I did own you, right? And so that's what he wants. He wants him to be arrogant, but instead he's confident in his God. He responds um, saying, um, yeah, you are very despicable then. For you are black-hearted and weak as a child. Henceforth, I shall have no trouble from thee, for the Lord is my helper, and I shall look down on mine enemies. He's always, always shielded in God. He's never, ever boasting um, himself. Having heard this, the black one straightway fled, shuddering at the words and dreading any longer even to come near the man. Right? Um, Because of his trust in God. Um, but then look at Antony's response. Again, this is our, our attitude towards warfare. He's not, okay, got through it, done that, been there, got the t-shirt, dealt with the devil, I'm Ustez Effendi, right? Instead, it says that right after this, but neither did Antony, although the evil one had fallen, henceforth relax his care and despise him, right? He didn't even get puffed up against the devil, right? Nor did the enemy, as though conquered, cease to lay snares for him, right? This, this is an ongoing battle. That's why one of the quotes that you read is that you must expect temptation to the end, right? Um, for again, he went round his line, seeking some occasion against him. But Antony, learning scriptures, okay, that the device of the devil are many, zealously continued the discipline, reckoning that though the devil had not been able to deceive his heart by bodily pleasure, would ende- endeavor to ensnare him by other means, okay? So what I want you to realize is you can never be too overprotective, I would rather you fear being too loose, right? You can never fear being too conservative, right, about what you're willing to do and not do because of, of being worried about what could happen, okay? Obviously, it's good to have a discerning guide near you to help you guide how to be protective in your environment, um, but you need to have that attitude of I'm never safe, right? I'm never safe. I'm never going to be relaxed. So. In, in doing that, then you can understand that asceticism, like we said early, is a protective act too, right? It's an act of love on the one, and it's a protection on the other. It's almost, if you will, um, like a spiritual workout, okay? So like it's, asceticism is an act of, of love, right? Like think of, for example, like your spouse. If it's your anniversary and you're like, sorry, it's Super Bowl Sunday, I'm not doing anything, right? You're telling her, I'm sorry, I don't choose you. Right? Like, I'm not going to be able to deny myself for you. I will, I, Super Bowl is more important, right? Might be the case for some. But, um, as number one, an act of love. Two is an act of, of protection, okay? Of not flirting while I'm married, right? To use the marriage analogy, because I'm, I'm opening the door to danger by doing that. Um, third is a means of grace, because when I am weak, then I am strong. God works when we don't esteem ourselves, right? Is that this asceticism is the opposite of what the devil was asking. So if the devil wants you to sleep like crazy, he's like, no, I'm not, right? Because I'm not going to get lax. So I'm going to do this act, this act of denial to make myself stronger, right? But what he's doing is he's doing a spiritual workout to his spirit, right? So this body, right, is under subjection, but it's almost like you're doing crunches with your spirit, right? And so crunches hurt the next morning, right? You are going to be weaker the next morning, but you are overall strengthening yourself. So that's the third form of asceticism, is, is to gain um, strength. And finally, is to give life to my, my spirit. So when somebody is sleeping on the floor, for example, um, it's not because the floor is the holy place, like that's the holy hangout, right? It's like, yeah, all the holy guys are on the floor, right? It is no, it's to avoid excessive sleep and excessive comfort so that I don't find myself drawn towards it. To a person who has no problem with sleep, this is not an issue for him. Right? So somebody who's already sleeping four or five hours and is not like with 50,000 pillows and like with remote control, right? Then like that person, yeah, that person maybe could benefit from the floor for a period. Okay? But the person who sleep isn't their thing, no big deal. Right? But that, that other person though might be indulgent with their food. Right? And so for them, they need to be watching their food a lot more. So we have to be aware of what is my, my issue and then to develop the asceticism through that with a goal, with a purpose in mind. Right? Asceticism, for the sake of asceticism, is destructive. It feeds the ego. 
because asceticism only means something when it's an act of love. So if it's not an act of love, then it's an act of self, which means it is anti-God. Okay, so never, never pursue asceticism for the look or the show um, or anything else. Um, and that's why Anthony would even um, anoint himself with oil, right? He didn't want to um, give himself over to comfort. Oil was a thing back then because you couldn't take baths every day. So you would end up oiling yourself to clean yourself and to look presentable. But he's like, no, I don't want to be in that because it behoved young men to be earnest in training and not to seek. That would enervate the body. Um, but then they must accustom it to labor, um, is what he said. So don't do what weakens the body, but what brings it life. The warfare moves up a level when normal bodily things don't have a grip on you, right? But if the body is what's holding you down, you're not going to progress in your warfare ever. Um, and he doesn't stop those bodily wars, even though he knows it's easy to stop. Okay, so imagine, for example, if you're in battle, to use that analogy, and that when the battle, this individual battle is done, but the war is not over, okay, you decide to go to camp, take the week off, eat and sleep to your heart's content, um, and just indulge. What is the likelihood you're going to get up for battle the next week? Who would want to, right? It's like, well, why would I? This is so comfortable. I'm sleeping in, I'm eating. Like, that was a fierce battle before. So this is why we can't ever just stop, right? You can't ever just lie down and say it's over. This thing is an ongoing thing, and it's real, and it's in spite of you, right? Whether you like it or not, you're, 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 you're in the war. Um, and so if you look at it secularly, you would think that his asceticism is weakening the body, but it's actually the opposite. And so how do we, mani how do we manifest this, right? This is where, where we want to self-indulge, where we say things like, this is just who I am, right? Like, how many times have we said stuff like that? You know, this is just, this is, who, this is my identity, right? Um, this is this is a part of me, right? And I and I'm not saying this because what we said earlier outside, but I wrote it. I just think, right? I just feel, right? Is all of these like fluffy like underlying things where like yes, our emotions are real, but what what do they mean, right? Where put them in their in their place? Who am I? What is my identity? I'm the kind of person you know who just needs such and such, right? Good. I'm glad you're self-aware. Okay, but there is a higher objective that we need to be aware of, right? You can't just be like, well, I'm not doing the war thing, you know, I'm just the kind of guy who, like, I'm going to give you, like, the moral support, like, from a distance, because, like, I'm sorry, like, it's just not who I am, you know? Um, and, you know, that's important. We just, we comfort ourselves with stuff. No, we're all fighting, and we all have a role, and we need to do it. Um, finally, I'm sorry, um, is th this monumental moment right, which we'll, we'll end with with a little bit of remark, is the devil now comes to him in a, in a way that he never did before, right, where he comes and just beats him to a pulp, right? He comes and physically picks him up and knocks him out. Um, I'm going to, I'll read it. Um, this is when he's gone to the tombs. Um, and when the enemy could not endure it, but was even fearful that in a short time Antony would fill the desert with the discipline of monasticism. Coming one night with a multitude of demons, he, cut, he so cut him with stripes that he lay on the ground speechless from the excessive pain. For he affirmed that the torture had been so excessive that no blows inflicted by man could ever have caused him such torment. But by the providence of God, for the Lord never overlooks them that hope in him, the next day his acquaintance came bringing him the loaves and laid him upon the ground and many of his kinsfolk in the sorry, and having opened the door and seeing him lying on the ground as though dead, he lifted him up and carried him to the church in the village and laid him upon the ground. And many of his kinsfolk and the villagers sat around Antony as round a corpse. But about midnight he came and at himself and arose, and when he saw them all asleep and his comrade alone watching, he motioned with his head, because he couldn't move his body, for him to approach and asked him to carry him again to the tombs without waking anybody. He was carried, therefore, by the man, and as he was wont, when the door was shut, he was within alone, and he could not even stand up on account of his blows. But he prayed as he lay. And after he had prayed, he said with a shout, Here am I, Antony. I flee not from your stripes, for even if you inflict more, nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ. And then he sang, Though it can't be said against me, my heart shall not be afraid. These were the thoughts and the words of this ascetic. But the enemy who hates good, marveling that after the blows he dared not be afraid, these were the thoughts and words of this ascetic. Um, he dared not return, called together his hounds and burst forth. You see, said he, that neither by the spirit of lust nor by blows did we stay the man, 
but that he braves us. Let us attack him in another fashion. But changes of form for evil are easy for the devil. So in the night they made such a din that the whole place seemed to be shaken by an earthquake. And the demons, as if breaking the four walls of the dwelling, seemed to enter through them, coming the likeness of beasts and creeping things. And the place was on, on a sudden filled with the forms of lions, bears, leopards, bulls, serpents, scorpions, wolves, and each of them was moving according to his nature. Um, he felt bodily pains... But Antony, stricken and goaded by them, felt bodily pain severe still. He lay watching, however, with unshaken soul, groaning from bodily anguish, but his mind was clear. And as in mockery, he said, If there had been any power in you, it would have sufficed one of you to come. But since the Lord hath made you weak, you attempt to terrify me by numbers. And a proof of your weakness is that you take the shapes of brute beast. And again with boldness, he said, If you are able and have received power against me, Delay not to attack. But if you are unable, why trouble me in vain? For faith in our Lord is a seal and a wall of safety to us. So after many attempts, they gnashed their teeth upon him because they were mocking themselves rather than him. So he runs back to the war, right? He doesn't walk away sullied as somebody um, uh, who's defeated. And he prays even in his weakness, right? He's, he can't even stand up. like He's lying down on the floor knowing that he, he can't even raise his body up in prayer. Another man in his boat would have said, where is God? Right? Where is this God? Right? I'm beat to a pulp. You're not saying a word. And here I am coming back for it, and I'm alone. But even in this, he says to him, he knows that it's a lie. And he says, you cannot separate me from the love of God. Right? That's, why, that's why I want to go through this whole scene of his life to say, what brought him to a level where he could say that with confidence? Antony's not saying words here, he means them. Right? This is something that he's not just saying as, oh, here's something deep I could say to the devil. Right? This is coming from the truth that is, is within him. He takes strength in the Lord, which shows that even in his warfare, he's humble. Um, and he shows clear discernment. Right? As I'm saying, look at how well he can differentiate. He's like, no, no, no. Even in the middle of his beats, he's like, you're a liar. Right? Let's think about this rationally. If you have power, why don't you just bring it on? Right? But, but you can't. Right? So if you could, you would have done it. So clearly you're weak. My God is stronger than you. Because he's lived this life of knowing God, he can identify truth from fiction because the devil is a liar. Right? And that gave him the power to call him out. But then what happens? The Lord of hosts speaks to him right, and strengthens him. But this is the part that... Yes, this is a beautiful grace, right? This miraculous moment of, of revelation and vision. Okay, but look at what came out of this warfare. Boldness with God, right? Look at how he can approach God because of his experience. The first thing he says to God is not even, oh Lord, thank you for healing me. He literally just looks at him and goes, where were you? Right? And this is, this is the beauty of, of our growth through the warfare. We have a boldness with God where God deals with us as friends, even though we're nothing, right? Look at how Abraham could talk to God, right? When, when he had this faith, he can be like, God, no, 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 that's wrong. Don't do that, right? Moses could say to God, if you are going to blot them out, blot me out, right? Look at the, like, the boldness that they have to speak with the, the author of creation, right? Is that Anthony can look at him with boldness and say, God, where were you, right? He's hurt. He's actually hurt and he's willing to express that. He's honest, Right? Like being a Christian warrior doesn't mean that we can't be honest. It doesn't mean we can't say I'm tired. It doesn't mean we can't say I'm, I'm not able to do this today. It doesn't mean that we can't say I'm going to do it, but I'm sick of it. No, there's, there's got to be some honesty behind what we do in a positive way. And so he gets this boldness and he gets relief from the pain. It comes to an end. Um, but then what greater big ups than when God says to him, Antony, I am going to make you known all over the ends of the earth. That's what, what the Lord says to him now. He's like, I'm going to make you known, right? Because what God wanted this was to give him something real. Because he says this, having heard this, Antony arose and prayed and received such strength that he perceived that he had more power in his body than formerly. God gave him a special gift. This is what you got to understand, is that the warfare doesn't mean just constantly being beat up is that Antony now received something that his, his life from there on is very different, right? His knowledge is completely different. You start seeing from this point on in the life of Antony, 
a, a new depth. He was already deep, right? But there's this new depth, there's this new eye that he gave, right? Think of almost, um, what's it called? Um, somebody who's looking for the government to, to pay, to give funding for their nonprofit, right? Is the government going to give funding to the person who just comes up with this application, hey, I want to do this? Or are they going to look more serious at somebody who's already living it? Right? Where it's like, okay, here's somebody who's already, with all of their, their money and all their time, they're constantly giving, and so they want to grow and they want us to sponsor. That's who, who, got, who, the, who the, the, the boss or the government or whoever it is, is going to want to give support to. So in this case, God is saying, okay, no, 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 no. This thing that you passed is exactly what I wanted to see. I'm going to give you a grace that almost nobody receives. And I needed to know, are you somebody who can handle it? Are you somebody who's real with this? Are you somebody who's going to use this for the right way? Or are you, in every opportunity that you had, going to steal the fame for yourself and rob the other people who need it? Are you, in every opportunity, going to feel sorry for yourself and lay down and go to sleep? Or are you going to fight for yourself and for others? Because if you are this kind of person, then I will give you what it is that you need in this battle. But if you're not, I'm going to give it to the one who wants it. And the one who wants it is going to show that they want it by the way that they live. This is what he did. This is why Christ only gave it to him, right? And we, this, from this point forward, Anthony is like super boss. Um, and from that point on, um, he moves into the desert, but we'll leave those things alone. Um, do we have time for questions or not really? Okay. And glory be to God. Forever.